60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. You know, Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice explaining all important facets of finance from savings to credit cards, credit scores, loans of all types, and of course, mortgages and refis. Not your typical financial show today. This is a show about you, about John Q. Public and Jane Public, if you will. Those of you that work 40 to 50 hours a week just to bring home that paycheck And then it seems like that paycheck just sort of disappears. It vaporizes. And it's all because we're not keeping track of the dollars. We're not following the Saving Thousands rules to success that we'll talk about. But right now, I want to jump right into it with Robert Palmer. Robert, the consumer finance industry is chock full of marketing people who do a darn good job of coming between us and our money. And oftentimes... It's, it's in the disguise of convenience. We're going to make it so easy for you to handle your accounts. The problem is, while they say they're making it easier, they're making it difficult for us to even remember when we have a payment, if we have a payment at all. And we're not getting a clear picture of our financial landscape with a lot of the smoke and mirrors that's going on. So let's talk about one of the worst out-of-sight, out-of-mind ways that people are taking our money. See, I'll tell you, Rob, auto pay, auto pay was one of the greatest inventions. It was one of the great, we see, we look at it as a convenience. Oh, it's so convenient. I don't have to do anything. I can just be a zombie and meander around in circles and occasionally run into a chain link fence while they take all the money out of my checking account. I don't have to do anything. I mean, to me, that's the, that is the inherent definition of a zombie, right? They don't have to do anything. They just wander and moan. And this is what auto pay did to us. Auto pay, in my mind, auto bank draft, auto bill pay, auto credit pay. I mean, think about back in the day when everything was cash, right? Like they're, they're back. I mean, mm-hmm. people still had credit, but if you went and borrowed money, they would give you cash because there wasn't credit cards. There wasn't electronic transfers, you know? So like when you needed to pay someone, you had to physically walk down there and hand them a shilling or whatever, uh, you know, a British pound <laughs> sterling, whatever you were paying with back in those days. Uh, and, and so there was a conscious effort to it where now they just they just auto-draft your account. And, and the, the guy who cooked this up, I mean, let me tell you, Rob, he is laying on a beach in Tahiti oh. laughing every day all the way to the bank <laughs> because he gave financial services companies the way to make us lazier, make us into bigger zombies, and to just take our money without question. I mean, I, I bet right now, if every one of our listeners, I want you to think right now, I want you to quickly think of five things that come out of your bank account that you have not paid attention to in the last, say, 12 months. Yeah. Oh, that's everybody has them. Mm-hmm. I've got them, right? I mean, I, I get on the radio and and uh, complain about it, and I've got them. I mean, it's it's a brilliant scheme. You know, so now when our car insurance, we get that increase, we don't even open the letter anymore. We don't even log in anymore because they just take the money every month, right? And, oh, our cable bill, they just take the money every month. And so that first six months... They gave me a great deal to suck me in, and now they're just taking more, and I don't probably even notice it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is what AutoPay did. AutoPay was probably the the beginning and the end uh, that turned us into the financial zombies that mm-hmm. we are as a culture today, where we just meander along and let people stick their hands in our pocket and take our hard-earned money. You know, Robert, even when we had to write out the check, do you remember those days when you were writing the checks 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you had to look at the check register? Okay, here's how much I spent on this, 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 and this. That's when you see the dollars disappearing. Now, you don't even notice it. Yeah, well, you know, psychologically, every time we paid that bill, we were making a decision, right? right? We were making the decision to pay the bill, which means we're analyzing the bill. And we were thinking, oh, I am writing a check right now for $1,200 to whatever. Do I think this is a good deal or a bad deal? Do I, do I like the way writing this check makes me feel or do I not like the way that writing this check makes me feel? And, and so at some point you would say, I don't like this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to reshop. 
oh, my 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 home insurance went up again. It's now one thousand three hundred forty eight dollars, and I'm writing I write the number out, and then I'm writing it in cursive. And some of you listening probably have no idea what I'm talking about because you've never written a check in your life if you're if you're young enough. Yeah, uh, you, really. had to, you had to write the numbers, and then you had to write it out in cursive on the line, right? Like one hundred one thousand three hundred. And as you're writing this, you're like, man, this. I remember when this was like eight hundred dollars a year. When how did it get so high? And then you get angry. And you get emotional, mm-hmm. and you you immediately get on the phone, and you call ten other insurance agents, and you save five hundred dollars a year because one of them makes you a great deal. And so, auto pay took all that emotion out of it, right? And and so the, the Heath brothers wrote a great book called Switch, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and in this they reference it's actually a book by another guy. I forget the book they reference, uh, but he talks about how how psychologically we have an elephant, and we have a rider, and the elephant is our emotion, and the rider is our logic. And and so what they figured out is. Auto pay takes the elephant out of it. It takes the emotion out of it because we don't ever get angry. We don't ever really think about it. There's no decision making. We're just we're just meandering down the road and they're taking money out of our bank account where once upon a time we had to think about it. Even if you have to go onto your online bill pay and type in the number, you still have to think about it. But when they just auto draft, the biggest convenience in the world, auto draft, my, I am so busy and so important in life. I can't be bothered to type in six digits <laughs> counting a decimal place into a computer screen in once a month. I'll just let the bank do it for me, right? You have just handed over the reins to this whole thing. You have just, you know, you've just been infected with financial zombieism and you're done. And now you're going to walk around eating other people's brains because you don't know any better. You're, you, it's over. You've given away the keys. And, and, and how, I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. How long does it take to click a button to log into a mobile app? and type in the amount of the payment you want to make to at least stay conscious of what's going on. They didn't do it for the convenience. They did it to take control. And this is another example of the smoke and mirrors. It's another example of how we're being taken advantage of. It's another example of how we're being sold on, oh, this is for your convenience. No, no, this is for your greed. Mm -hmm. This is not for my convenience. This is for your greed. And as consumers, we've got to stand up. We've got to realize that. And and so if, if, if you took everything in your bank account and took it all off of auto pay, I would guarantee you within 60 days, you will have canceled or shopped for new options or done something with probably 30% of what you are being charged just because now you are back in the decision. You're waking up, your eyes are starting to open up. You're no longer meandering around in circles like a zombie. You're saying, you know what? Uh, wow. I didn't, I didn't even realize I was paying that much for car insurance. How many of you right now know how much you pay for car insurance, Right. A lot of people. Do you know Rob? No, people staring at each right? other. I mean, you may have a. I do know because I have. I change cars so often. I have to. Okay. I have to compare. All right. I Dave, cars Dave, do you months. know how much offhand you pay for car insurance? Uh, he he does not know. Uh, okay. there you go. I mean, I think we have a general idea. Uh, it's probably around two hundred, three hundred yeah, somewhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and and is that a good deal or a bad deal? I mean, who knows? You know, but we we just forget, mm-hmm. and when we get busy in life, and they make it easy, and. You know, those are precious minutes that we'd rather be playing Candy Crush on our iPhone oh, yeah. than having to pay our bills. Mm-hmm. We'll, let, we'll let the bank handle that for us. We trust those guys, right? Eh, just trust the bank. Let them, let them pay the bills. Auto pays great. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Robert, the other thing, it goes back to your conversation of yesterday about the smoke and mirrors of credit card companies. The one thing that when this auto pay comes, you know, and you maybe you're doing it in the name of the trees and the green and all that, but you're not looking at a bill anymore. When you get a bill, you take it out of the envelope and you look at it and it says, okay, you owe $450. But then you see all of the all of the fees they're charging. What makes that $400? You don't see that in auto pay. All you see is when you check your checking account once in a while or whatever, you, you see that $900 went out of your account. I don't know what it was for. Generally, it was for the item, but you don't see the cost of it. I'll tell you, Rob, we are, we are no longer making decisions. We, we have just, we, we are deferring all of our decision-making and just letting it go. Be a zombie. You bounce that's on the it. wall. You bet. You that, go the it. other way. That's it. And this is by design. Trust me. You know this is by design. That this is exactly how they want it to be. Yeah, that insurance company. They don't want you to know how much you're paying. They don't want you to be conscious of it because they don't want you to shop around. They don't want you to call somebody else. Your bank. They don't want you to 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 realize what you're paying in interest and what you're paying in service fees. <laughs> that that you know, let me tell you who absolutely does not want you to know is your gym membership. Oh, I mean, God. I will tell you, right, you want to talk about an industry that was built on auto pay. I mean, if, if we had to literally go to the gym and hand them money once a month, mm-hmm. they would be broke because no one goes there. So how would they ever hand them the money? I mean, you you get like you get that 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 10 percent of people or whatever that use the place. 
but it's being paid for by the 90% of us that, that pay for it and never show up. Mm-hmm. And that's what they bank on. And, and auto pay is what makes it work. And they were one of the pioneers of this, remember? Yeah, absolutely. When the whole gym thing started, it started, you've got to give us access to your credit card or your bank statement, whatever, because we're going to take the money directly. Well, when are you going to cancel? What do you know the fine type and, is? And, so then and you the, never go. So then the big financial guys, they got mad. And first they're like, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, my God, that. we're smarter than these gym guys. Why, why didn't we think of that? We're, we're supposed to be the, you know, the sneakiest guys on the planet. How come the... <laughs> How come the fitness industry beat us to the punch on this whole auto pay thing? And and so they immediately went and ripped it off and copied it and said, this is great. This is the greatest thing ever. If we can just get people to give us their credit card number or their bank account number and authorize us to charge them forever, a large percentage of them will never cancel. And if they do try to cancel, we're going to make that really tough too. Like, Oh, well. If you're just tuning in, you're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. This is a consumer empowerment show. It's just about you. As I opened the show, I talked about... You know, those of us that work 40, 50 hours a week, we get our paycheck, but we've really never gotten any instruction all of our lives. It's kind of funny. We never got instruction of what to do with our money, to how to be responsible, to how to be financial ninjas, as Robert would say. People that are in control of their lives. I mean, you might be a great golfer because you know all of the rules and you practice the rules. Well, it's the very same in financing, but for some reason... Financing has been kind of taboo in our lives. It's, it's not been the kind of thing that your mom and dad will even sit down and talk to you about. I mean, we all have that one important talk when we're teenagers, but why don't we have important talk about money? Why aren't we taught what to do with our money to where we can actually have our money working for us? Well, that's what this show's all about. And if you go to savingthousands.com, you'll find a list of the radio stations that carry Robert's shows every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Well, Robert, I know that there are so many things you want to get across to the audience. So where do you want to go from here? Rob, do we have any Ask RPs? Well, we really do. Do we have anything in the mailbag? Oh, we do. I've got one from Bill down in Brooksville, one from Vera in Kissimmee that I dug out of the mailbag today. And that is AskRP at RPFunding.com. That is AskRP at RPFunding.com. I did want to go back and make one statement before we get to Bill. And that is until today, I bet you 99% of the people that listen to this show had no idea they could go from an FHA to a conventional. See, what you have taught people today is going to save them thousands, and that's why we call the show Saving Thousands. That's what it's all about, Rob. With Robert Palmer. There you go. Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer. Bill from Brooksville wants to know what you mean when you refer to smoke and mirror lenders out there because he heard a show, he heard it in passing, then he had to go into his office, and he didn't continue to listen to us on his smartphone, which he should have, but he, he wanted to know where you were going with this smoke and mirrors thing. All right, so when I talk about smoke and mirrors, to me, smoke and mirrors refers to magicians, right? Magicians, how do magicians make the car disappear? How do they cut the pretty girl in half? You know, how do they pull the rabbit out of the hat? It all has to do with distraction, right? Right. And, and distraction is the smoke and the mirrors. And so the smoke is the distraction, the mirror hides the object, whatever it is. So smoke and mirrors to me is when someone is using techniques to try to hide the truth from us, to give us an illusion, okay, to deceive us. And, and that's what magicians do, right? They, they make you think there was a car there and then they made it disappear. When in reality, there was never a car there or the car is still there and you just can't see it anymore, right? This is what smoke and mirrors is all about. And so I know from a lot of years of experience at very large lenders, very large financial institutions, that they love this stuff. And and they probably, back in the day, hired Houdini himself <laughs> to come in and design the credit card programs and the mortgage disclosures and who knows what else, because the idea is to muddy things up so much and distract us as consumers so much that we don't see what's coming, right? And so they distract us and, you know, they, they use fancy sales techniques and they use neuralistic programming to try to make us think words that we should. I mean, you would be amazed at the amount of money that companies that companies will use and invest in developing their smoke and mirrors so they can get you to pay their crazy fees without you realizing it. And this spans all of financial services, right? Personally, I think if they would just not charge the fees and then not waste all the money paying for the smoke and mirrors, they would probably come out pretty similar in Mm -hmm. the end. 
That's what I did. Worked out really well for me. Yes, sir. Not everybody else gets it. So they're going to try to use, in mortgage, they're going to try to use the relationship they have with your real estate agent. They're going to try to use fear. Oh, well, if you don't go with me, you may not get the house. Well, look, let me tell you, the listing agent could care less that you're the buyer's agent's preferred lender. They've never heard of you. They don't like you. They probably hate you, and they're probably less likely to take the offer because you're using the, the your buyer's agent's preferred lender. That's a whole other topic, all right? But, but that's what this is all about. And, and so it's companies in financial services, they use fear. They use confusion. Uh, they they use fine print. You know, it, it's the the order they give you the documents in. It's the timing of the documents. Well, we need to make sure they're emotionally invested in the home before we show them all the crazy fees. Because if they love the home, they won't question the fees. Oh, and if they do question the fees, then we'll scare the crap out of them. We'll tell them that their FICO score is going to drop. We'll tell them that the, the realtor won't sell them the house if they don't use us. We're going to use fear and, and misdirection and confusion. And that is the smoke and mirrors in mortgage. In credit cards... Uh, the smoke and mirrors is trying to get you to sign up for a card while you're in line at a department store, right? Your your mind frame is you're trying to check out. There's people in line behind you. You don't really want to get into a financial discussion of APRs and, and annual fees and all these things. And so they know that you're on tilt. You're off balance. It's the best time to try to sell you a credit card. That is smoke and mirrors. This is what I'm talking about. Every financial services industry uses it. They all use it to try to suck more money out of us as consumers, and we have to be aware of it. Because guess what, Rob? If you know where the mirror is, if you know the trick, it doesn't work anymore, right? That's there was right. that masked magician guy who came out, and he exposed all the secrets of, of the big magicians, and it didn't work anymore. If you know what they're doing, you see it. It doesn't work. And that's what this is all about. So if I can come in here, and I can be the masked financial services guy— no, I don't need a mask because I'm not scared of any of these guys. They can they can come at me all they want. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to show you what the smoke and mirrors are. I'm going to expose the things they're trying to use to take advantage of you as a consumer. And once you are aware of it, it doesn't work anymore. Okay, Ann over in Kissimmee wants to know, her uh, soon-to-be husband has very bad credit, 550, okay? She has 740. They're going to get married. They want to buy a home. Can she somehow get the mortgage on her own? Yeah, so as long as she has enough income, the, the the recommended course of action would be to get the mortgage just in her name. Now, they can both be on title, mm -hmm. and they can own the home together, but she's going to want to try to qualify for the mortgage all by herself. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to use only her income to qualify. We're going to count only her debts against them, but that's going to be the best thing for them uh, because his bad credit, with the score that low, he's going to just prevent them from getting approved altogether. Uh, and even if he's able to get his score up, it will probably result in a higher interest rate because even if he gets himself into the low 600s, uh, he's going to get a worse rate than she would get by herself. And when we price a mortgage, when we qualify a mortgage, we have to do it off the lower credit score between Ooh. the two borrowers. So we take the middle of your three scores. There's three credit scores, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Each, uh, each credit bureau has a different FICO score generated based on their data. Mm -hmm. And then we use the middle of those three FICO scores. And then we use the lower between the two different borrowers. So... That, that's how we look at it. So uh, he is gonna he is gonna negatively affect the situation. So hopefully she has enough income that she can qualify by herself. You know, if she's got a good job, doesn't have a lot of debt, she can. And that's one of the things our our loan officers are very good at looking at. If we've got two borrowers and one of them doesn't is causing the them not to qualify, they'll be like, hey, you know, we can qualify you by yourself by removing the your your potential spouse by removing the other person from the loan. Uh, we can get you a better deal. We can get you qualified. Uh, there's a lot of benefits, and so we, we definitely look at that in almost every situation because we want to give people the right advice. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a big part of what we're doing here. And if you've got a question for Robert Palmer, here's what we want you to do. Just open up SavingThousands.com. That's SavingThousands.com. And if you look across the top of the home page, right there you'll see a tab for Ask Robert. It's that simple. Just click on that. You'll see a form. Everything's confidential. And all you do is just ask your question to Robert Palmer. He will get back to you directly. And we may use that topic in a future show. We won't mention your name or anything, but probably if you were asking a question about any topic in finance, well, chances are there's a lot more people that want to know that information too. So go ahead, ask RP, just simply go to savingthousands.com. And again, when you fill out an ask RP form, no one is going to put you on any kind of a mailing list. I know we got to be careful about that these days. Well, Robert, in a previous show, we talked about the fact that a lot of people, even though it would be in their best interest, 
are still not getting into real estate. So you've been delving into this further. Yeah, and we're seeing the effects, Rob. You know, I was at a, I was at a conference in Denver recently, and we had an, an economist come in and talk about housing. and And one of the big reasons that housing uh, is not recovering uh, at the rate it should. I mean, we're doing well, things are good, but uh, millennials and the younger generation are just not buying. Uh, people are buying homes later in life. Uh, there's a lot of these things happening, and a, a lot of folks want to blame the the mortgage industry that the rules are too tight, the guidelines are too tight. And that's just not the case. I mean, it's it's actually pretty easy to get a mortgage right now. We, we talked about this on yesterday's show. Uh, what, what's keeping a lot of people out of the game is the student loan debt. When you look at the average uh, amount of payments for student loan debt uh, that people now have, uh, and up until recently, if your student loan debt was deferred, right, we were able to not count it against you in your qualifying ratios for a mortgage. Uh, that has now been changed. Student loan debt has become such a problem that we now have to count an estimated a payment against you, even if your loans are not yet begin to to require payments, which is a new guideline. Uh, so that is going to hurt some people. Mm-hmm. But this student loan thing uh, is definitely weighing on people's ability to purchase homes. When, yeah. when the amount of student loan debt has gone up so significantly, and th- th- those are, I mean, people are making house payments on their student loans. I mean, you know, there are people out there paying a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a month for student loans. Uh, and they went to a college that that possibly falsified information and and had no intention of helping them succeed, uh, and that is now replacing their ability to buy a home. Uh, for some people, it's replacing their ability to live on their own. You know, they're having to live with roommates. They're having to, uh, you know, rent an apartment and split it three ways because they're strapped with these student loans. And uh, it's just it's an unfortunate situation. It's one that we let get completely out of control. Uh, you know, if I saw this coming six years ago. Uh, others should have seen it coming as well. Uh, and just another example of, of of us dropping the ball. You know, we dropped, as a society, we dropped the ball on this. Uh, and, and the guys who owned these big for-profit colleges made a lot of money because of it, uh, just like a lot of the, the bad players in the mortgage industry made a lot of money. And now the burden is going to fall on the American taxpayer once again, unfortunately, uh, to clean up that mess uh, and and to undo and to pay back all of that money that was put into these people's pockets under under these false means and it's it's frustrating it it frustrates me to no end uh, and and I still don't think we are truly as we sit here today I think Corinthian was just the tip of the iceberg right uh, I think that that enough is not being done I think in another year or two we're gonna read about another one of these and another one of these and we're gonna wake up at two trillion and we're gonna have an even bigger problem. Uh, when we could have stopped it right here today at 1.2 trillion, you know, Corinthians should have been the wake-up call, uh, but apparently it wasn't because I, I don't see any type of widespread enforcement happening. You know, the, we're now trying to reactively deal with Corinthian and figure out what we're going to do with all the students who are strapped with this 3.5 billion dollars in debt uh, from a college who who was shut down for fraud, right? I mean, it just think about how crazy that sounds. I mean, I mean, 10 years ago, would you ever imagine a college being shut down for fraud? Uh-uh. You know, could you picture the University of Florida or Florida State University? I mean, these are institutions in our lives. Uh, you know, we look at colleges as, as, as something of credibility uh, and, and, and trust and honesty. Uh, and, and that's not what these, these new for-profits are doing in a lot of cases, at least not the bad actors. So uh, this is something that's got to be addressed. Uh, unfortunately, it's probably not going to be addressed soon enough. Uh, again, I think if uh, I think if financial literacy, it all goes back to my goal, Rob. If financial literacy was being taught in schools, right? If we were teaching our young people, our kids, our future generation to be more conscious about signing a note to borrow money, understanding the payments, understanding the interest, understanding the long-term obligation, understanding how student loans work, how credit cards work, how credit scores work. The lasting impact, you know, if you think about it, Rob, you're on the phone with someone. Uh, again, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself in the shoes of one of these these folks. You know, I, I just graduate from high school. I uh, I can't get a good job. I, I apply for a job. I send in my resume. And all of a sudden, I get called by this shark of a recruiter for a for-profit college, who is promising me the world, right? Who is promising me a laptop? Who is who is getting me all hyped up, who is telling me he is the answer to all of my problems. All I have to do is e-sign some paperwork. That paperwork appears in my email, probably while he keeps me on the phone. Uh, because again, they want to close the sale on the first call. This is this is old school subprime mortgage tactics, right? Uh, they don't want you to wait the three days. They don't want you to shop around. They want to get you right now. 
Uh, and all of a sudden, that this person types their name into a box on their computer screen, and it changes the course of their life financially for the next 10, 15, or 20 years. I mean, Rob, we're talking about a 10 or 15-minute phone call and typing your name onto a screen, uh, and now your ability to buy a home is affected. Your ability to have a good credit score is affected. Uh, your life is completely changed in moments uh, because of the tactics used by these for-profit colleges. I mean, just imagine that. Just think about that. The one little tiny mistake like that, right? Because you got caught up in the hype, because you weren't educated, because you didn't understand the long-term risks and the long-term downsides, and you didn't understand, you know, how debt works and and how loans work and how interest works. You didn't shop around. You didn't wait your three days. You didn't follow the financial ninja rules, and now you find your life changed. Uh, when in your mind you were doing something great, you were going to go to college, right? That's all they were trying to do. They were trying to go to college, something that is ingrained in us from a young age. So we ingrain in our children that they need to go to college, but then we don't arm them with the tools to make good financial decisions about choosing a college and going to that college. And that's that's my big frustration. And that's where if I believe if we can have, uh, if we can have uh, financial literacy taught in schools, then, then we can see things start to change. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking now, when you brought up the, all these different specialty colleges, I started thinking, you know, have you been home in the midday? I know you're so busy, you probably haven't. But you walk by a television between like 9 in the morning and about, oh, 3 in the afternoon when the majority of people are working. And all of a sudden, you get to commercials, and there's a specialty school that's going to teach you how to drive a truck or go into IT or be a beauty specialist or any of these type of very special schools. I wonder how many of them were bad players as well. Because yeah, they, they, they're talking to the vulnerable people that are sitting at home unemployed. Yeah, there used to be one of these, Rob. It was like a girl in pajamas yeah. wearing like fluffy slippers. I remember you know, that. And, trying to, and, then, and so I actually did some research on that company, and they weren't even uh, a for-profit college. They were a lead generation company. Again, the, the parallels between this and mortgage <laughs> are just so similar. Uh, so just like, you know, during the boom, you had – Companies like Lower My Bills and Lending Tree and these lead aggregators who would advertise and they would sell your name to four mortgage companies. That's what these companies do. They run TV commercials promising you a better future through education. And then they sell your name to four of these for profit colleges, of which at least one is probably crooked. I mean, just statistically, with the size of Corinthian, uh, you know, one of the four, if not all four, are out to get you. Yeah. And now you've got four competing colleges all calling you nonstop, relentlessly. I mean, I've heard stories, Rob, of people getting literally hundreds of phone calls after calling one of those oh, ads. Uh, and just one person after another trying to push them, sell them, talk them into attending the for-profit college. Uh, and again, it's just it's so frustrating. It's something we've got to we've got to stop. We've got to regulate. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to get it worked out. But, but it's going to take time, and it should happen right now. Uh, but it's not. And that's, that's what's, that's, what's frustrating. Well, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And I wanted to remind you that if you go to savingthousands.com, you're going to find some easy to follow rules. They're called the saving thousands rules to success. And I liken these to the GPS in your car. Yeah. Let's say that you're going to get into your car and you're going to be driving someplace you've never been before. Well, let's face it. Financial empowerment is some place that most of us have never been, and we sure don't know how to get there. But if you're going to a geographical location, you simply put in the destination, it reads your location, and your phone or your Garmin or whatever tells you exactly how to get where you're going. Well, that's what the Saving Thousands rules do. You know, over the years, Robert Palmer has looked at tens of thousands of credit applications for mortgages. He has looked at credit reports. He has sat down with thousands of people to discuss their financial advantages or their financial perils. And so Robert has learned a lot about human nature, a lot about finance, and a lot about smoke and mirror tricks from the financial industry. And so having all that information, he created the 15 rules to success. And there's nothing complicated about them. Kind of like in your car, left turn, right turn, right? Well, if you just kind of make the turns that you need to make in your financial life, and they're very easily done, you'll find out that all of a sudden, you're much more aware when somebody's trying to rip you off. 
and you're doing a lot better in shopping and you're doing a lot better of investing and you're getting ahead financially without hardly any effort at all on your part. Well, Robert, the government's kind of helping us out too. The government is getting really active in going after some of these scoundrels in some of America's biggest businesses. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau uh, went after PayPal, which which is interesting. And I, I think one of the most interesting things here is PayPal like just agreed to pay the fine immediately. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's no fighting, there was no arguing. There was like, oh, oops. And so I think I think Robert said the 15 million dollars in refunds and then 10 million dollars in fines right. to the CFPB. And uh, so what PayPal did, this is pretty interesting. And again, this just goes to show this is the whole financial zombie thing. You know, so PayPal basically, it seems, tricked people into taking out credit and then made that credit their default method of payment inside of PayPal so they would rack up interest charges. And then PayPal not really being a creditor, I mean, it's not really their business. Mm -mm. So they didn't have the right software and systems in place. So they would charge people late fees, even though they weren't late. Then people would pay those late fees and they wouldn't show them as paid. Uh, it was just really, really crazy. And then it, I, this was my favorite. So apparently, you know, whenever you offer credit like that, you have to have a phone number, a customer service line where people can call and get details on the credit. And they decided they just wouldn't answer it. So they set the phone line up <laughs> and just no one ever answered it. It just it just rang. And so if, if a consumer wanted to call PayPal and try to complain or deal with these problems, the number would just ring and ring and ring and ring. Oh. And, uh, you know, again, this is where I've been a fan of the CFPB since it was announced. Uh, you know, the, the example I kind of drew when this first came is, you know, think about it, the fact that we can go into restaurants and know that they are pretty much safe because we have, you know, food inspectors. And, and I'm not a big government guy, but at the end of the day, there's certain things I'd like to know that the bridge being built over, you know, the Skyway Bridge was built with some kind of oversight. You know, that, that when I when I go into a restaurant, there's some kind of health inspection on occasion. Sure. The place isn't covered in roaches. Uh, you know, I'd like to know, uh, you know, you look at like safety recalls. You know, if, if a company builds a defective crib for your child, you know, and it's, then the crib's going to collapse and your child's going to be injured, there's a recall, you know, and this is because government inspection and people watching yeah. over their shoulder because big businesses don't really care so much about these things. You know, the big airbag recall going on right now, right now. You know, all this comes from government inspection. And so we didn't have that in financial services. Forever. Forever. There, there was Banks were inspected. And I think maybe that's where the whole breakdown happened is once upon a time, you were only going to borrow money from a bank. And the banks were all inspected by the FDIC, mm-hmm. uh, the credit union folks, uh, the, the Office of Thrift Supervision. You know, there's all these these uh, entities that were supervising and keeping on, on the banks. Well, then when when all these new types of lending popped up, you know, when you, you've got independent mortgage companies like us, you've got Wall Street making loans, uh, you know, you've got payday lenders, uh, you, you've got people, technology companies like PayPal trying to offer uh-huh. credit. And so there was no one regulating any of this, really. And so if a toxic loan program came out that needed a recall, you know, think about all those loan programs, Rob, that came out in 2005 and six uh-huh. and seven on the mortgage side that led to the crash. Well, I guess it's more like two, three, four, and five. You know, leading up to the crash, all of these crazy loan programs, if we'd had a recall on some of those, we may not have ended up in the situation we're in. And so the CFPB was built to be that agency for finance. So whether it's credit cards, mortgages, whatever, and what I find very interesting is they are not – see, uh, the FDIC can only regulate its member banks. Right. The CFPB will go snatch you up no matter what industry you're in if you are offering consumer credit. So PayPal, which is not really a credit company, uh, CFPB doesn't care. It's, the minute you offer someone a piece of credit, you fall under their purview. And I like that. I think that's how it needs to be. Uh, because we need to be protected. And again, I mean, you know, the whole point of this show is for me to try to educate people and 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 wake you up from being a financial zombie and get you to make better decisions. But it, it's helpful when we have someone else kind of keeping an eye out for these types of situations. Because uh, a lot of this stuff going on with PayPal, the, the consumers were aware of it. They just couldn't figure out how to stop it because you can't get anybody on the phone. I mean, this company, it's like they don't even exist. They're just out there. I was with you the day that you first introduced that agency. And I remember how charged up you were about it. And I was thinking, you mean all these years, we've never had anybody looking after us, you know, the consumer, but no other financial guys on the radio were cheering it on. And nobody else was either. Credit card companies weren't, you know, the, the pay here, pay, payday loan people certainly weren't, you know, there was nobody in the industry cheering it on except you. 
And you were saying we need to protect the consumer. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you do what's right for the consumer, you're cool with it. If you're out there taking advantage of consumers, you're probably a little scared. Yep. And so, again, at the Mortgage Bankers Conference I just got back from, uh, there's a lot of people that uh, that were nervous. You know, they're they nervous about this. They don't like the idea of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They want it back to the old way. Uh, yeah, I'm personally a fan. There were a lot of con- uh, CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau people there running around the conference. Uh, I'm a fan. I like what they're doing. Uh, I think it's good. I think I think things like this need to come to light. Mm-hmm. I think you know, pay, who would have punished PayPal? You know, again, PayPal and PayPal admitted like, yeah, we screwed up. You know, we're going to pay the twenty five million dollars. Who would have made that happen before? And that's that's the big problem. Um, you know, so I, I think it's a good thing. I think I think we need consumer protections. I think the number one protection is is us being smarter right. and us being educated and us shopping around, which is what this radio show is all about. Uh, you know, rule number one, shop around. That's the 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 rule, the biggest rule, the biggest thing I can teach you here is to shop around. Uh, and then two, you know, know your numbers. I mean, all this fits mm-hmm. in together. And if you do these things, uh, you really can protect yourself. Well, and as you said, Robert, rule number one of those saving thousands rules to success is to always shop around. You're going to get the best deal that way. And on that way, you're going to learn more about whatever kind of product or service that you're trying to get. Number two, you mentioned know your numbers. You really need to know your credit score, everybody. And most of the people listening right now to this radio show have no idea what their credit score is. And yet, that credit score can be a very large factor these days, even when you go to get your automobile insurance. Did you know that? Well, it's true. Just ask your agent. Also, you need to know your home value. Because if you know your home value... It gives you a much bigger picture of your overall wealth. And yes, you do have a lot of money in that home you probably didn't know. So you've got to know your home value. You have to know the balances on your credit cards and the balances you have in the bank and how much yet you owe on your house, how much you owe on your car. These are all things you need to know. That's rule number two. Rule number three is the three-day rule. And that is if you're going to make a major purchase, let's just hold on That dream car, that dream boat, that dream TV will still be there in three days. So take three days. Think about the purchase. How does that fit into your budget? How does it fit into your life? Is it something you really need or you just think you want it? Or if it is a luxury, well, that's okay too. Just make sure you're getting the best bang for your luxury bucks. And rule number four is don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. There are too many economists right now that are going around telling people they don't need credit at all. Let's just save up and use our cash. Well, credit can be an excellent tool, and Robert Palmer talks about it. You can read articles by Robert at savingthousands.com. You can hear radio shows about credit because you really can use it as a tool to get ahead monetarily, but you don't want to abuse it either. So there you go. That is, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Well, Robert, let's talk about one of the traps that we fall into that the entire financial industry loves to do, and that's to get us to commit to a credit card at a time when we're kind of pressured with other things going on. So we looked at the bank that was backing the card, <laughs> that's right. right? Because the thing is, the department stores, it's not their money. They go hook up with a big bank and say, hey, big bank, we can, we can scam our customers into signing up for these cards so we can charge a much higher interest rate, whatever. So they get together and they say, all right, we're going to charge these people 29% interest, 25% interest, whatever. If you called that bank directly, you can get a card at like 12% interest or 13% interest. I mean, they, they literally double it because you're getting it in line at the store. Now, you can take you can take advantage of this. You can use this to your advantage. You know, you can pay that card off. You can you can make sure that they never get a dime of interest out of you, and then you do get that savings. But what happens, a lot of people don't, Rob. And, and, no. and what I will tell you is uh, I personally do not think having a trade line is worth you know, if you look at the savings, right? So if you're going to buy a $250 item or $200 item and they're going to give you 20% off, you're going to save 40 bucks. You know, I don't know that 40 bucks, in my opinion, is worth uh, applying for a new credit card, getting the credit ding, having this new trade line. Because remember, the first six months of having a new trade line, it, it hurts your credit. And yeah. so are you going to let, you're going to let your credit score suffer for six months just to save 40 bucks? There's people who do it to save $5 because they're, it's a smaller ticket when they check out at Kohl's or whatever. And, and I think you have to be more strategic about where you use yeah. these. You have to be strategic in if you end up buying a car and you miss out on the 0% interest deal because your credit score fell because you took the, the $40 savings of the department store. 
or if you miss out on a like an, if there's like an 18 month interest free for furniture or for a big jewelry purchase or whatever, you may miss out on that because your credit score dipped because you took advantage of that little store card. Yep. Uh, so I am not a fan. I, I I think we've got to be strategic as financial ninjas, but we've got to be we've got to be more strategic than that. Just because you can mm-hmm. save a few bucks, even if you pay it off and never let them get interest out of you. It's still now a new trade line. There's still some some downside to having it, and and I think there are better alternatives where you can save more money uh, by making better decisions in other ways. And if you're not a very responsible consumer, and a lot of people are a little bit lazy about this, they'll go, okay, here's J.C. Penney where I have a thousand dollar credit limit. Okay, here's Kohl's where I only I don't have a credit limit. Oh, I can go over there and get the clothes because they say I've got that much money. You know, when it comes to department stores, you think. Oh, that's how much merchandise I can have. You don't think about the payments. No, absolutely. You know, uh, in the, in the early days when Jill and I were broke, you know, when I first opened RP Funding, uh, we lived like her Best Buy card. She had a Best Buy card that had like a couple thousand bucks limit on it. And so, like, if we needed anything that you could possibly buy at Best Buy, we were going to Best Buy. And now we weren't going to shop around. We weren't worried about getting the best deal because we had credit there. Yeah. You know, and, and this is the trap they want you to fall into. Uh, because they know that's what's going to happen. And so there, there's really, this is where rule number three comes in, the three-day rule. So one of our, you know, no, rule number three on the saving thousands rules here is the three-day rule. Well, if you're standing in line at Kohl's or Best Buy or whatever, and they offer you a credit card, you can very politely say, well, I'm sorry, I have to wait three days before I can make a decision. That's, it's part of my rules. It's part of how I live financially. I'm a financial ninja. I don't make, I don't apply for credit. I don't make a decision like that without, you know, reviewing it for three days. So if you'll please give me the pamphlet on your little thing, a little on your card, give me a little flyer so I can go home and I can study the interest rate, the APR, the annual fee, and, and all the terms and conditions, uh, then if in three days, if it seems like a good idea to me, I will come back and I will get your little credit card. And they'll say, but sir, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to save 20% on today's $100 purchase. And I will say, well, that, that's okay. I'll probably be back here and spend $100 again, uh, and I'll just apply for the card then, three days from now or later. So then uh, three days later, you say, you know what? It does seem like a good idea to get that Kohl's card or whatever. I shop there a lot. I think it's worth it. Uh, If that's the decision you make after three days of thinking about it, then the next time you go shopping there, maybe a month later, maybe six weeks later, and you spend $100, now you can take advantage of the discount. Uh But I want you to go in there having already done your homework. I want you to know what the annual fee is. I want you to know what the APR is. I want you to make that decision three days prior right to actually doing it so now when you're in there shopping you know at the register hey i'd like to sign up for that kohl's card you made a decision on your own terms no one pressured you you weren't distracted by being in line you've looked at this and you've made a decision as a financial ninja that this is something that makes sense for you this is one of the credit cards one of the tools that you want in your arsenal and you've thought on it and you've slept on it and you followed rule number three, the three-day rule, and now you're ready to go back in there and you're ready to get that card the way a financial ninja would, which is prepared as a conscious decision, not just falling into the smoke and mirrors of the discount. You'll still get your discount. I mean, that's the thing. They give you the discount one time whenever you sign up for the card. Well, how many times? If you're only going to shop there once in your life, What's the point? Amen. Otherwise, just wait and get the card the next time you're there if it still seems like a good idea. So that is my advice when it comes to store charge cards because all of a sudden you will wake up one day and you will find a balance on there and you will be paying a ridiculous interest rate uh, all because you fell into that trap and didn't follow the three-day rule. And didn't, probably good. didn't follow the, the rule number two either, which is know your numbers. And you probably didn't follow rule number one, which is shop around. Shop around, know your numbers, follow the three-day rule. The top three rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Don't forget to tell your friends about Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer and the SavingThousands.com website. And oh, you know what? I almost forgot two other great ways that you can become financially empowered and your friends too, of course. And one of them is the Saving Thousands channel on iHeart. See, you're not always near this station that we chose to run this program on. And we love this radio station. But again, there's going to be times when you're not right here. Okay? But you still want to get more empowerment. Because every show you listen to, you learn more and you get more in charge. Okay? So here's the deal. You can go to iHeart, which you get worldwide, right? Go to that iHeart app and just look up Robert Palmer. That's right. Robert Palmer. And you'll be directed to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the Robert Palmer Saving Thousands channel. 
There's another way as well, and that is to go to your app store on your smartphone. So you get out your smartphone, you go to the app store, and absolutely free, you download the Saving Thousands radio app. That's what it's called. The Saving Thousands radio app is what you're looking for in your particular search engine at your Play Store. And then you'll be able to listen to full-length shows or info modules at your time of convenience. And all you need to do is just click on a show, listen to it. And if you want to hear it again, click on it again. It's absolutely free. Well, Robert, we want people to get back into the housing market. We want people involved in real estate. And a lot of people may not enter into it because they don't understand how the crash happened in 2008. They may not just understand what all led to that. And it was kind of a perfect storm of a lot of things. But tell us about one of the deep causes and changes that have been made that will help us avoid another meltdown. Uh, the other big thing, the other big kicker uh, was down payment, right? And, and so during the pre-crisis, you could buy a home with no money out of pocket. <laughs> That's right. right? And, and where this really impacted things uh, is, is when we get into what we call jumbo loans, right? So as we sit here today, if you want to buy a $420,000 house, maybe a $430,000 house, right? You can put 5% down, right? And, and you can finance $410,000. Uh, you can go all up to $417,000 as long as you have your 5% down. But that, that stops around a $430,000 house. Uh, as soon as you go to a $500,000 house, now you're looking at a down payment of more like $75,000. Okay. Because the, the lending rules are different when the loan amount is over 417000 So there's kind of this natural cap baked in right now where it's very difficult for a home to cross that price range, right? Because when, you're, when your house is priced at $430,000, $440,000, someone with only a twenty dollars or $30,000 down payment uh, can, can come buy that house. Once you cross that threshold, you've eliminated all those people, and now you have to have people who have like a seventy-eighty dollars or $90,000 down payment. That's a big difference, right? And, and so because certain homes are being held there, uh, what happens is if, if you go out and if the really nice house is only four hundred fifty thousand because they're four hundred forty thousand because they don't want to cross that threshold. Then the house in the neighborhood that's just a little bit not quite as nice as that one can't really, uh, you know, it, it can't be the same price because then everyone would buy the nicer house. Uh -huh. And so on the high end of the home price bucket, there is some constraint on how much appreciation we're going to see. Uh, back during the boom, you could buy a million dollar house with no money out of pocket. Today, if you want to buy a million-dollar house, you're talking about a $200,000 down payment, right? So on a million-dollar house, the, the monthly payment is, you know, maybe $6,000 a month. And there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, I could afford a $6,000 a month mortgage payment. I'll go buy a million-dollar house. But then they realize they have to make a $200,000 down payment, <laughs> right, which is like three years of the monthly payment. So now they're going to have to take that $6,000 a month and save it for three years before they can go buy that million-dollar house which is probably the way it should be, right, in all honesty. But that's the world we find ourselves in today. So all of these protections, the protections from regulators, the protections from the new laws, uh, the things they passed to plug the holes that the mortgage industry used to give people artificially lowered payments have been plugged, and that is what is going to protect us from another housing crash. And, and Wall Street sees this. The, 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 rental, the guys buying all these rental properties see this. The guys investing in these rental bonds we talk about, they all see this. But unfortunately, the, the average American consumer does not, right? Because why? Because they're not educated when it comes to, to all things finance. And I'm going to throw home buying into to finance and financial uh, because most of us finance homes. Very few, very few first-time home buyers are out there paying cash. That's right. I, and so the, the people who absolutely need the most education and need to understand this don't have it. Uh, and so they're renting and they're scared to buy or they think they can't buy. And we're going to talk about that next, Rob. Why? why people have this fear that they, they can't buy houses or why they have this fear that they're going to be denied for the mortgage or they're not going to be able to buy the house and they only want to try. And, uh, and that's, that's really where we stand. So my advice to you, and the, the reason we brought up this whole article, uh, is, is one, to explain the fact that there's not going to be a, a big crash in home values because the rental guys, the, the, the big hedge funds who bought a bunch of property, 
are going to sell it because they're not. They've actually put themselves in a position where they can't sell now because they've already got their profit for the next five years worth of rental income. So they're they're good. They're happy. If anything, they're going to take some of that money they just got and they're going to buy more houses, which will put some more pressure on home prices. Right. Uh, the other interesting thing we, we, we see, Rob, is new construction. So builders actually started building bigger houses when yes. the crash happened because they didn't want to sell as many houses. And so they went the opposite route. And they said, well, instead of messing with all those people who are going to put, you know, five or 10,000 down, let's just go build mansions and we'll steal the, the buyer who does have the 200,000 down away from the resale and get him to come buy our new construction house. And so the gap between new construction and existing homes uh, nationally is one of the largest it's been ever. It's huge. There's a huge gap right now. Mm. Uh, and, and so we, I think we really, a couple things our economy needs is one, we need people to, we need builders to start building some smaller houses because now they should be able to make some profit on smaller houses because values are up high enough in that range. Uh, and then we need more people buying, right? We need more people out there. Uh, and this is what's going to help GDP. This is what's going to help bring the economy back. This is what's going to help continue to move everything forward. Uh, because really the, the, the labor market is good. I mean, you know, the last jobs report was good. Unemployment is very low. Uh, you know, wage growth is starting to come. Uh, what's really continuing to drag the economy is, as always, and, and has it as it has been since you know 2007, is housing. And, and so, it, what I want people to understand is there's all this misinformation, and there's all this. Oh, it's too hard to buy a house. It's too hard to qualify. And, and let me tell you, it's just not true. Well, it's been a very informative show, hasn't it? And if you have follow-up questions or you have questions whatsoever about money, about finance, about refinancing a home, getting a mortgage, the buying process, the selling process, whatever it is, go ahead and feel free without obligation and totally confidentially to ask RP. Again, it's simple. You go to savingthousands.com. You click at the top where it says Ask RP, okay? And where you ask RP, it'll go into a form that's totally confidential, and I guarantee you, your name is not going to be put on any mailing list. We're not going to harvest a bunch of names and sell them out there to the real estate industry. We do not operate that way. So always feel confident that all communications that you have with the Robert Palmer family of companies is confidential, and we just want to give you the service that you deserve. And speaking of service, if you're thinking about buying a home and you're hearing all kinds of rumors out there, about the buying process, the mortgage process, the application process, and something new from the government called TRID? Well, don't worry about it. Some of the big financial companies are just running in circles trying to get their companies wrapped around TRID. These new government regulations, the first one of their kind since 1976, has a lot of the industry just up in arms. But RP Funding, one of Robert's companies, has been preparing for TRID since it was first discussed in Washington. So right after TRID went into effect, Robert Palmer and company were able to do one loan in only 24 hours. And since two days, three days, four days, 10 days, not the 60 to 70 days that other institutions are worried about. So if you're going to be worried about TRID, don't worry about it. Make the call, 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. TRID is all about consumer empowerment, and so are we as we save thousands with Robert Palmer.